keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. And you know more than likely he's going to Matthew 16, but there's a whole bunch more that's there. So would you stand as we welcome Brother Mike uh, to this pulpit and have him teach the word of the Lord to us tonight. You may be seated. That was a great one, Jordan. Powerful scripture. I have three of them. And I'll share one, which is Jeremiah 33, and it is verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hmm. Who here feels a difference, just things are different? <clears throat> It would seem that we have about a 1% success rate in our prayers, right? We pray, people die, we pray, sick or sick, we pray, and nothing happens, apparently. I wonder why. Hmm? Well, I'm not being negative. I'm wanting to, I'm, I'm bringing this up here as a... Uh, I mean, it's the truth at this point, <laughs> and I know it's not for lack of anointing or trying, so something's up. Hmm. Well, keys, Matthew 16, like Pop said, Pastor Glover said, very well known, probably very uh, much preached passage of scripture and uh, for good reason so Aaron can you put that up in uh, 19 or put it up in the amplified for me please because KJV is uh, says it one way uh, the original really says it a whole different other way and so there's some things that we just kind of think when we read this and it's uh, I'm going to read 17:18 here in the KJV. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That gives us an idea of that we kind of can just pick and choose what we want to bind and loose and what, you know, when we feel like coming against something, we're going to come against it. When actually it says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. And that will say that in every, every version that is, has the original meaning in it. And so when Peter was getting these keys, and we need to understand what these keys are, they're not just something for us to open doors when we feel like opening doors, and we can't make things happen. I don't care how anointed you are, or how powerful you think you are, or how powerful you really are, 
you can't make something happen outside of the will of God. And so with this, the keys of the kingdom, very important for us to understand that we must in all times be in tune with heaven. Because unless heaven says it's time, it's not going to be time. And so Peter immediately, and he gets treated pretty terribly for not having the Holy Ghost or being baptized like we are, yet he walked on water without it. And so he gets pretty, uh, and he had revelation of Jesus Christ without it, <clears throat> who Jesus was without the Holy Ghost. I mean, he, he had that. And so he gets treated pretty rough for how he does things, you know, but uh, once he gets the Holy Ghost, no one ever really can talk about him after that too much. And, uh, and so right after this, right immediately, when he says, you know, I mean, we're talking verse 20, he tells him to tell no one that I'm Jesus the Christ. 21, he begins to tell them, I'm going to suffer many things. The elders, chief priests, and scribes be killed, be raised again the third day. And Peter takes him and rebukes him. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And he turns and said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. That's one thing we need to understand is when we take matters into our own hands or when we, when we decide to, what we're going to bind and loose or what keys we're going to use outside of, of the will of God, we become an offense to who? <laughs> it's very important. No, we become offense to the kingdom of God also. Which, yeah, it does become an offense to ourselves. <clears throat> and so, as we're looking at what's going on right now with uh, the people that are sick, many of them aren't saved. This isn't, this isn't a uh, grocery store or a, a, a dime store where you can just do whatever you want. And then when you need help, you just call for it and we hook you up. That's not how the kingdom of God works, number one. We should understand that. <clears throat> but we need to also understand <clears throat> that we're dealing with a God. We're dealing, dealing with a, a, uh, an ultimate plan that's being established, that we're a part of, that we just need to be in tune with. And 2023, you know what, I hate to rhyme, but God told me, leave it up to me. That's hard for us to do, isn't it? It's hard for us to do because then that me means we have to be in tune with him and seeing and hearing and understanding what's going on. And so I'm not going to look at what the prayers being answered or not answered and the sickness, etc. I'm not going to look at it in the lens of uh, what's, what, what's wrong with us. Aren't we apostolic or aren't we, are we not doing it enough or we, like what am I doing wrong? I'm not going to look at it that way because my job is to stay in tune with the Spirit. My job is to, he that hath an ear, that's how the, the keys of Philadelphia ends. That's how all seven messages to the churches in Revelation end is, he who hath an ear, let him hear. I've got to make sure I am hearing. I went to the um, optometrist today and they dilated my eyes. My pupils, and uh, after it was over, that's when I picked out the glasses for the 
for the next year, and I could not even begin to see. And, and uh, it was pretty interesting. I ended up actually going to a Salvation Army to try to like give give it some time before I drove home because it literally have really affected me this time. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. I don't know. But when when we can't see, or when something's like affecting our vision, it's a very dangerous. It can be a very dangerous thing. <clears throat> and seeing and hearing is my job. His job is to be God. My job is to see and hear. And so Peter with the keys, on the day of Pentecost, which wasn't ours, Pentecost, he, there's at no point in time is he making anything happen. When the Holy Ghost falls and they receive it, they're speaking in other tongues, languages they've never spoken because that is the initial sign of someone receiving the Holy Ghost, that what happens is an organic thing. And those people start to mock them. He stands up, and that's when he preaches this message with all this scripture tied together in Revelation in just a powerful way. And they ask them, men and brethren, what shall we do? And when that happens, Peter steps in and opens the door to salvation for the Jews, and it's repent, be baptized. It's the same thing for us. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise unto you, and he, and he, he, he is in tune with God. They just had their incredible initial experience and outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And moments later, here he is stepping up and opening the door preaching a message that is unbelievable, really, in, in the revelation that he's giving, and that's just a few of the words that he did actually speak. And he must have been quite the preacher. By the way, do you think, do you think it was Peter and uh, his faith to uh, like step out of the boat or him I, I stepping up and identifying and answering questions, whether they're right or wrong? Do you think he earned his way to the keys, or do you think that was a plan that had already been before time began, do you think that God, with each one of us, has an eternal plan for us, that, a calling that we had before even the earth was created? And so Peter didn't earn it. Peter just grew in and grew into, into it, the grace that God was giving there. But we don't ever, like, do better than everybody else, so we get picked to be, have the ones with the keys. It was nothing like that. It was that, was, that was God's plan already. And so Peter just is the one, the vessel that has been chosen. But Peter's, Peter steps up and he presents this to, to the uh, Jewish people that are there for Pentecost. And we have that initial outpouring, the Holy Ghost, baptism, and it goes from there. And so we got him opening keys left and right. There's all kinds of keys to the kingdom that... There'd be many Thursdays you'd have to spend going over them. And so, you remember he got in Matthew 10, Luke 9, they get anointed. He's sent out, go heal the sick and cast out devils. But it never actually says that they are doing that necessarily with that. They obviously must have. It's just not recorded. And so, after Pentecost, then the next door that's being opened here major door obviously is when this layman is healed and once again he's been there for how long 
quite a while. Jesus, the Son of Man, walked by him probably quite a few times as he's sitting there and begging for alms. And uh, wow, doesn't it seem like God would have healed, like Jesus would have healed everybody he saw? Why wasn't he healed? The timing of God is pretty amazing. The plan of God and how it comes about in each one of our lives. I was, me and Jackson and Jasmine were outside a couple days ago and we were talking about Clinkets and then talking about um, the Glover last name and, and uh, being proud of our heritage. And I started to tell them about uh, Pastor Glover and how it was a miracle that he even, when he sh shot himself accidentally with that 22 that it didn't pierce through his femoral because he kept trying to run and so you know when you when your bone has just been shattered and you try to run it's not going to do so great when you land and so it's a miracle that he didn't bleed out right there but it's also undeniable to me that that was the plan of God for Pastor Glover because he was already drinking and smoking at 12 and what would have happened should he have been without that gunshot and without that, all that time alone there in Sitka and, the, and being alone as a kid in Sitka and, and uh, the pain he's in and still in because they didn't do a good job with the surgeries. The plan of God with our eyes is, is we, we will never, ever understand why this happens? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? We just have to be in tune with the moving of God's spirit and God's timing. And they're going into prayer. You know, the Jews pray three times a day. And so Peter and John are going to the, the synagogue there in chapter 3. And it's the uh, <clears throat> hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And the guys at the the um, gate called beautiful, asking alms. He sees Peter and John, and Peter fastens his eyes on him. And something right there happened, Jordan. There was some, some kind of in, in, in tune with the Spirit, the timing of God. Peter connected. I guarantee you, that guy didn't have faith for healing. He had faith that he was fixing to receive some alms or something. But there was something deeper going on, and Peter, Peter recognized it, perceived it, and then silver and gold have I none, pulls him up, and it's a huge miracle that begins to just spread through the entire city. So that's the first miracle after Pentecost, and Peter performs it. Peter is the one that is in, in front of the uh, people that he had initially just had lied, about, lied to not very long ago, like two months ago, the exact same high priest, the exact same people, he's confronting them now, and he's putting the crucifixion all on their shoulders with authority. Because he's a changed man. That's what we should be in this new birth experience is changed people, like unidentifiable who we used to be compared to how we are now. My, my wife, Megan, is very much, very much not even close to how she used to be and how she is now. And the growth and experience she has and the burden she has is something that I don't have. And it's a very beautiful thing, her, her desire to see the lost saved and how much she reaches out. But then just, just the change that she, that she did all on her own. I never said a thing to her about uh, 
you know, wearing dresses or cutting her hair or she was initially dyeing her hair. And I never said a thing to her. She just made those changes on her own. And that's how it should be. And I believe it should be or could be much quicker than we make it, much quicker than we understand or realize. Like, I think we could really, really be transformed overnight into a totally unidentifiable person if we would just allow, well, number one, if we would allow people to believe that, right, instead of us putting the limits on them. But then if we would just understand how the good news is actually really good news. The rest is actual really rest. The, the pressure, no pressure. We're now in grace, and guess what? We can celebrate the Sabbath. It's a continual Sabbath, so we celebrate him. And then when he says, do this, we do it. Obedience is the key to the kingdom for anybody. It's the most unused key, but it is the key. To, that's all literally you need to do is be obedient. Obedient to what the apostles were told to command them to obey. So obedient to what the pastor is preaching and, and what he's saying and then maybe what he says in private. Being obedient to that, that is literally probably the most... Uh, I don't know... I would guess very, very rare these days that that actually really happens. Just, just plain obedience without a pushback or without a fight or an argument, plain pushback. But really, and I say it all the time, the under-shepherd, the overseer of God's flock, how do we treat that person? Because Moses, man, tell you what, you don't mess around with Moses. I was thinking about that because I'll rear up sometimes because of a father-son relationship and that, you know, that'll happen sometime. And I was thinking about that, like Aaron and Miriam rearing up on Moses and how that went down. Didn't go down so good. <clears throat> and uh, I wonder if maybe the reason why there isn't more miracles, power, et cetera, et cetera, is because we don't respect the man of God that God has put in place enough to obey what he's saying, and God will not, will not bless people that don't obey or respect his man, woman of God. He won't. So I wonder if that is overall, let's say apostolic-wide, the epidemic, pandemic that we have. I don't know. I was shocked to find out that because of the times they used to argue over the gifts of the Spirit, what in the world? I didn't realize that uh, that would even be a thing. <laughs> I thought we were apostolic all this time, Jordan, but I guess apparently it's always been a struggle. And we've grown and we've grown, but I just wonder, I just wonder how much when a pastor is preaching, how much he's being listened to as if God's speaking directly through him. And God, God grades that. A hundred percent God grades that. That's another key. But obedience is the key. If someone would just come in, whatever condition you're in, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and 
be obedient. I, I wonder just how fast they would grow. How quickly? Probably like Peter. Probably like from one day you're this to next day you're a superstar whipping out all these scriptures off the top of your head and you're speaking, they say, like, like an ambassador. Your speech is so dignified in Acts 2 that that's how it's literally described. It's not everyday speech, but it's of a dignified person that is very well spoken. We preach Peter like he's a dumb idiot. Apparently, he could really, really speak well because he was a new creature. Now, all it takes is obedience. So, I'm going to skip over. I mean, I'd love to sit, sit there at Acts 5. I've prayed for Acts 5 to happen. I've spoken it over people, actually, and it hasn't happened. <laughs> No, the death. That caused revival. That, when, he, that, when that happened, because it was the fear of God came on everybody. The missing ingredient, the fear of God. The fear of God. Hmm. Another key, fear of God. Like, what's Proverbs say about that? It's the beginning of what? everything. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it goes on and on. And wisdom is personified here. She cries in the chief place, in verse 21, of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof, behold. I will pour out my spirit unto you. That's wisdom. So wisdom is, pour out my spirit unto you. What's wisdom? <laughs> What's wisdom? Thank you. Good night. <laughs> wisdom is Colossians 2, and it's 2 and 3. It's that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together, in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hid, just waiting to be discovered. <clears throat> That's that whole Proverbs 25, verse 2, that uh, it's the uh, glory... This is teaching here, so I'm just, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. That's what, it's hid in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but fear of the Lord being the priority. I mean, Romans 11, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. But Paul said we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> there is, I can't imagine how much is available in the spirit 
and it's just waiting for somebody to pray in the spirit and push in the spirit and to desire it above everything else and to realize the treasure of what is in the spirit that you're never going to find out any other way. If you study, you're not going to find it out. If you come to church, you're not going to find it out. Whatever you fast, you're not going to find it out. You're only going to find it out, according to 1 Corinthians 2, is uh, verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Do you know? It's available in the spirit. It's hid in Christ. All, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Take no thought of what you're going to say, but when you're brought before people, take no thought of what you're going to say. So Peter believed that, actually, because in um, Acts 4, that's what he does. <clears throat> you think that's not coming our way? <clears throat> and when we're talking about wisdom, we're ta not talking about our wisdom. <clears throat> we're not talking, when we're talking about knowledge, not talking about things that we can understand with our own physical man. None of that is understood by our natural man. It cannot be discerned. It's spiritually discerned only. And you're only going to get that praying in the spirit. I don't care if you have the Holy Ghost. If you're not praying in the spirit, you're not getting anywhere. My twin brother for years, with all his steady, was, was growing. And then he started steady praying in the Holy Ghost. And he shot, shot up. And it was because he would steady praying in the Holy Ghost. And then his face big enough that he asked God when he's reading a scripture to give him the interpretation of it because he's praying in the Holy Ghost. Give me the interpretation. And God often does. That's the gifts of the Spirit actually helping him understand scripture. <clears throat> and it's free. That's the thing. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. You just have to go for it. So that would, that's what would cause someone like Peter to be able to be have, fixing to have lunch and have the craziest vision that I don't care who you are, no one would have understood the meaning of that. It brings down the blank with all the unclean animals. By the way, Peter had never eaten anything unclean. I mean, we're not talking about a dummy here. We're talking about somebody that literally kept the law that they were following, the law of Moses, to the, kept it to the T his entire life. And so when we're talking about devout people, Peter was devout. He was a fisherman, but he was a devout follower of, of Judaism now, but of, of the law of Moses. And he had not broken it one time, he says. So it comes down, kill and eat. Not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Voice spake unto him, saying, what God has cleansed, call not thou common. Does it three times. So now Peter's like trying to figure this out. And that's one thing that if, if you're going to, if I'm going okay, to compliment Mitch Perkins. One thing about Mitch that he does very well 
is he, is first Peter talks about how the prophets that would prophesy after they were done prophesying, then they would diligently search to see. So I'm, I'll say 10 and 11 of First uh, Peter 1, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What they would do is prophesy some of the craziest prophecies, right? We're talking about these prophets live some terrible lives. Isaiah walks around naked, right? Elijah at least talks God out of making him eat his own number two. And so he has to eat cow number two. Lie on your side for this long and then on the other side for this long. I mean, or I mean Ezekiel I'm talking about, I'm sorry. Ezekiel couldn't speak until the spirit unloosed his tongue. That's a great life. But they had some, they had some visions and prophecies that, that even today people study and study to try to figure out what they were talking about. But back then they would say it and then they would diligently search to see if it was going to happen in their time or what was going on. And what, one thing that Mitch does very well is after a service is over, he is going to be in prayer, meditating about what was spoken. And so God gives him deeper revelation of what was spoken. And that's why he'll often, when he's speaking, explain to you what was spoken by me or Pop or somebody else. And he does it in such a way to where we can all glean and get some understanding. And that's because he's doing what those prophets did. He's, he's meditating and dil diligently with effort and, and with prayer and, and uh much prayer, he is uh, searching the will of God and seeing what, where it fits in the, in the whole scheme of things. And that's apostolic. When we're talking about the fivefold ministry, what, what you've been hearing from Mitch lately has been what an apostle would do. That's what Peter and Paul would do. They would explain what the scripture meant to the people, what the Old Testament was saying here, this is what it means now. And so we're very blessed right now to have Mitch here, and uh, so there you go. Throw, throw the little marina bone there. So he's doubting himself, but Cornelius on the other side, you know, they've, he's been having his own system going here. So knock, knock, knock on the door, and uh, they, they asked for Simon, surnamed Peter, He's, while Peter thought on the vision, that's 19, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. So he's probably trying to put together like the three times that thing went down. Now there's three men. Who knows what, you, what I would be thinking. Arise, therefore, get thee down. Go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So he goes down. He asks what they want. And then they take off, and he brings six people with him. And it does not click completely, well, really doesn't click until he hears them speaking in the tongues. <clears throat> and they, you know, because they were God's people, they're chosen. He chose the Jews in the Old Testament, and he always told them that you're the, my people. That means no one else is your people. And so we're talking about a person that is in tune with God, has keys, but he doesn't understand what's going on. He gets in the house 
or he gets to the door, because remember, they couldn't even go into the house of a Gentile. It would make them unclean. But when he hears that Cornelius says, we're, all, we're present to hear all things that are commanded thee of God, then the revelation starts to flow. Because he was commanded of God, and he was given some keys, and you see how keys work in the spirit realm. You don't just bind and loose, or you don't just make it happen. It's when God's timing is perfect, the door is open. Why, I mean, why didn't the Gentiles get saved right after Acts 2.38? Or why weren't they invited to the party initially? The plan of God. Why was it the Samaritans second? They're half-breeds. Laying on the hands, another thing he opened the door to. Apparently, that's all they would do with the uh, people there in Samaria, lay hands, talking tongues, talking tongues, talking in tongues, talking in tongues. So Simon's like, whoa, that is awesome. I'd like that. And so Peter dealt with that. That's apostolic. It's, it's apostolic to guard your flock, the flock of God. And it's apostolic to call people out when they're being like Simon was being, Simon the sorcerer. You don't just allow those kinds of things to take place. And I would hope if anyone started to do something like that, that you would shut them down. You'll be behind me, by the way. I'll get to them first. But it's that moment there. Hear all the things commanded of God. He goes, he opens his mouth, says, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And so he starts to talk to them and preach to them. He starts with Jesus Christ, like I've said before. He doesn't even get done, and they're speaking in tongues. And they're astonished. They have the circumcision. Jews, they're astonished. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so Peter goes, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Hmm. Binding, loosing. Can any man forbid water? The Ethiopian, he's reading this, he's getting preached to, and uh, he says, see here is water. What doth hinder me, exact same word, to be baptized? Hmm. Binding, loosing. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke 13. Sorry, Luke 12, not 12, 11. Come on, Mike. <clears throat> Pastor Glover spoke about this. Woe unto you, lawyers. So these, that's back, got to remember, that's back when the law, well, they're going back to that, by the way. It's pretty exciting to me. Or there, there's talk of it going back to uh, the Torah and the, the uh, lawyer, the, like people like this being what is the law in Israel. There's talk of that now. You know, things are shaking up in Israel. Things are shaking up, and they need to shake up, because at some point, they need to build the temple again, don't they, and start sacrifices again, and that's pretty crazy stuff. And so you're going to require some hardcore people, but woe unto you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering, ye hindered. Same word. And that's the, that is the question of the hour is what does hinder 
do I hinder? When somebody comes in, am I doing anything that would hinder them from being baptized? Peter's called on the carpet by the Jews immediately. There's, I was talking with Megan about this. Well, she's the one that brought it up because I was talking about, you know, unity should be pretty easy in the body of Christ. Apparently, it's pretty hard. And so it's pretty disgusting in some ways that how in the world can unity be so hard in the body of Christ when we're supposed to all, all have the Holy Ghost be, and love each other and love people? How in the world can we be a body that's, that is at, at odds with each other? How in the world can't pastors get along? How in the world can't this happen, that happen, the other thing happen? Well, this was happening, and they were all prejudiced against us. The Jews didn't think we deserved salvation. So when Peter comes and opens that door, he's immediately called on the carpet for it. And so he's having to explain himself in Acts 11. And so he's talking about it, and he, he breaks it down, talks about his vision. The three men come, spirit bade me, go with them, nothing doubting. He brings the six people with him. You know, the 12 baskets, seven baskets. Think about it. Why did he bring six? First time there's 12, right? Day of Pentecost. And he showed us how he'd seen an angel in his house call for Simon, blah, blah, blah. As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, <clears throat> but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? He's saying this to other Christians. He's saying this to other apostolics. He's having to explain his actions here for, for uh, baptizing Cornelius and his household after they received the Holy Ghost. What are you doing? Number one, like, what were you doing in their house? Explain yourself. We're talking about an apostle having to explain himself to whoever these people are. Binding, loosing. And the moving of the spirit and hearing, seeing. <clears throat> so, in this environment, God was still opening up an amazing move of his spirit. And so, with what's going on today, 2023, I'm just going to go ahead and leave it up to him. I'm going to stay out of what I can stay out of as much as I can, and I'm just going to concentrate on seeing and hearing, and just like Peter, it's lunchtime, he gets a vision, and he just goes with it, doubting nothing, but he's hearing the Spirit speak, and he's opening doors when the doors open. He's not hindering or withstanding who? Who, would, who is he withstanding if he did that? Do we withstand God? This initial move of, 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 like, when we're talking about revival, if there's going to be people coming in, I wonder what they're going to look like. Are we going to withstand God? I will tell you that initially... It's going to be a struggle that we're going to have to break through for people to even receive the Holy Ghost. I don't forget how long it took for Shelly to receive the Holy Ghost, but it was quite a while. And it was quite a group effort. 
for one person. And after that, we haven't, I believe there's been nobody. So we got to understand that we're going to have to push. It's not, it's not just going to be a, a done deal. When the moment is there, we're going to have to join together and help that person break through, most likely get delivered first. Nothing about this is going to be easy. Not one thing. Mm -mm. I wish I could tell you it would be. It's not going to be. Nope. There wasn't one thing easy here. I guess we somehow overlooked that all the time. I mean, Peter's wife got crucified. God, thank you for blessing the ministry here. I'm doing your work. Thanks for blessing my wife there with uh, her being crucified. Like, it wasn't easy at all. Yet they're, that's what Josephus historically, it's not going to be, if, one, if I learned one thing, you know, grace is described as a teacher. We look at grace because by grace we're saved, but we forget that everything that we do in the kingdom of God is by grace. So by the measure of grace, that's Romans 12, where, where, where God gives us, enables us with what we need to fulfill what he calls us to do, right? And so Pastor Glover has the grace he needs in order to carry the load of being a pastor. No one else could carry his load because God's given him the grace to carry it. If he could do it on his own, that would be works. All of this is by grace, and that's why Peter's saying grow in grace. It's not grace just, to, just for us to have space to breathe as we're growing and, and uh, moving and changing habits and things like that. We need grace for every single thing that we're going to do from this point forward. And we'll get the grace just about the time we're done. Are you excited? For I say through the grace given unto me. Right? I mean, he says it over and over again. 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about everything he did. It was through grace. Ephesians 4. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so God's given gifts to every one of us, offices to every one of us, and he's given you the grace to walk and fulfill what he's called you to do. But it's all by grace. And so when Titus calls grace a teacher, he's talking about elementary things. To 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But that's not where it stops. Grace is continually supposed to be teaching us in each situation we're in. And so I'm walking lost and it's getting worse and worse. And so when I hit the moment where I'm blind, I can't walk anymore and I'm soaking wet 
I have no idea where I'm at. It's starting to get dark, but it doesn't matter because I'm blind. And uh, it hits me that I'm never going to see Megan and my kids again. I just knew it wasn't the will of God. And so after that moment when God gives me just the teeniest little confirmation, I say in my stomach because it wasn't even like in my spirit. It was so small. I know now what it was, but I immediately, blind, can't move, soaking wet, and uh, it's about to get dark, no idea where I'm at, and I know I'm dying. When I went blind, I knew I was dying. I could feel my body going. All I had to do was accept that reality that you're dying. So this is like two hours before Megan looks for me. I somehow in my, it's grace. It was grace that I'm talking about now. In my mind, I invented another person. Just like as soon as I got the confirmation, I invented another person or voice in my mind. I gave him complete authority to say whatever he's going to say, I'm going to obey or believe. And so that voice said, it doesn't matter if you're blind. You're going to survive to see your wife again no matter what. I don't care if you can't see. You're going to live. And I said, okay. I don't care if you're soaking wet. That's your fault. You're going to suck it up and survive and see your wife again. And that voice took away every single fact that was pointing to the fact that I was going to die in the next few minutes. Took away the power that, of, that it had to kill me and turned them around, erased, erased that statement that I'm never going to see my wife and kids again and replaced it with, you do not have permission to die. And then you don't deserve to die. You're going to live to see your wife again, no matter how much you have to suffer. And I believed it. Nothing's changing on the outside. I allowed myself, and it was my voice in my mind talking. I know it was grace now, but I was believing everything it was telling me to the point that dying never crossed my mind as an option from that point forward. And it erased all those facts, and then it went back down the list of facts, and it made it to where it was my punishment that I had to endure for, for what I had done. And I allowed myself to believe that you're going to live no matter what. And so I just got in a standing position and I lived. A stupid helicopter came. I was in a zone to where I have, I have very little memories of that from that moment till about tw whatever time that helicopter came flying over. How could I turn? Nothing had changed. I was still soaking wet. I was, I, vision came back, but I, I had no strength to move. Even by the time the Abbott boys came, I couldn't hardly walk. All those things did not change. But my teacher switched everything around, and I was able to literally believe what I knew was a lie. I knew it wasn't true. I knew it was my voice telling me that. I knew I was making it up. But I allowed myself to believe it so completely that I'm right here right now when I was going to die in just a couple minutes and I knew it. That's grace. That's grace. I know that now by revelation that that was grace. I could never do that. I would never think to do that. And it's an amazing thing that it's, it's still impossible to think how I could do that or anybody could do that standing still with what I had on unable to move for all those hours. But... To make it a miracle, yeah, when the helicopter came, and then when it left, I couldn't get back in that zone, and so I started to really, really suffer, and still 
that the thought of dying was not ever in my mind. But it was suffering, and I knew I was dying, but it, I, was, it, I was never going to accept that. I just continually was fighting, yelling at that imaginary drone, et cetera, et cetera. And so to have Bo and Tobias come at the very last moment to rescue me, save me, warm me up by the fire, all that, that's a miracle beyond miracle from God. And so he, he allowed me to, to get in that zone, so-called, until it was time for it be, to become a real miracle where nobody could ever take the credit or say, like, the dude just sucked it up. No, I was dying, and I could not get any, any mental back in the zone back at all. Every second became the, the, the new hardest thing I'd ever had to endure. Till the next second came. That's what I mean. The miraculous is never going to be easy. And I realized there that it's going to take, for miracles like that, it will take everything you've got. Who says the Hebrew boys ever saw the fourth man in the fire? It never says that. You know, that, you know King Nebuchadnezzar was on his own journey, very slow journey, incredibly slow. And so he had somehow realized that, you know, rescue Jeremiah, don't touch him. He can do whatever he wants. And then he has that dream, and Daniel interprets it for him, and he's like, oh, wow, you're king, like your God is God of gods, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then we get Shadrach, I mean, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael in the, in the furnace. Oh, wow. And it's still, he's got another chapter of some learning to do. And next thing you know, he's eating grass, and his hair's like feathers. Of, and uh, biggest miracle, in my opinion, the fact that he becomes king again. But did the Hebrew boys see the fourth man in the fire, or was that for Nebuchadnezzar? Never says. So we're gonna, we're gonna wonder why we go through some things, Jordan. Like even even things you don't get yourself. You know, I've been hiking with Jackson. We went down Greeby Lake Trail. Of course, it's been a lot more snow. Greeby Lake Trail, and then we went down, started down the trail that uh, we had, the snow machines had taken me out of, and I'm like. Here to the to the uh, window there, having to take a break, <sighs> breathing hard. Like I have no, that's me. That's the real me. I have no idea how I went that far, and then how how much ground I'd covered. I have no idea because I can't hike. Jackson can vouch for it. I mean, he even asked, if, "Do you want me to carry the backpack?" How embarrassing is that? But that's the real me. Some things you don't understand, but it's grace. It's going to be grace. If I, if I would have chose to die, which I've lived to go to heaven, so I don't know why, you know, it's almost a surprise a little bit. If I had chose to die, all I had to do was accept it, and I'd have died, 100% guarantee you, before Megan even took a car ride to look for me. So it's going to be us also wanting to partner with God or wanting for me, wanting to live, that God's going to, okay, I'm going to give you the ability to live.
just barely. <laughs> but you're going to live, and, and I'm going to rescue you with two people you'd never, ever think were going to show up, and we're going to see what God's going to do. But like I said, with the three Hebrew boys, Nebuchadnezzar saw that fourth man, and he was on that journey that took him a while, but once he got it, I mean, he was called king of kings. Like, he's, he, in history, there, I don't think there's a king that was more powerful than him. And so, uh, and God had prophesied about him, and when he, when he changes, he never, he never is recorded as doing anything opposite of recognizing who God is and following God. His, his grandson is the one that loses the kingdom ultimately. But... Binding, loosing, keys, they're not our right to use. We don't have the right to initiate anything. If we did, Fauci wouldn't be alive. Let's see who else? I could go down a list. God didn't honor it. I gave it my best shot. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, Elisha or Elijah was able to call down fire for apparently no reason, for 50 soldiers and the, their leader, twice, boom, boom. Are you Elijah? If I'm a, or a prophet? Yeah, if I'm a prophet, God's going to send down fire and burn you guys to death. It's like, wow. I want to try that, and I have tried it. It hasn't worked. But there must have been a moment with Peter where he walked through that door with Ananias and Sapphira, there must have been a moment where he did walk through it. It's interesting that Paul's blind, and the first, the first uh, miracle that he performs is making someone else blind. Elimias, or Bar-Jesus, whatever his name was, and he uh, tells him that you're going to be, you know, without sight for a season, and uh, his... Vision goes, and he has to be led around, and that causes that person that was so impressed by him to uh, understand that their God is the God. But that is another key, which we've talked about before, and that is what God delivers you from and what God brings you through gives you the authority to deliver other people from what you've been delivered from, and to minister or deliver people from what God's delivered you from. We have it backwards here with Paul making somebody blind, but that is the principle. He's going to, if you allow him to take you through the process, you will have authority to bring other people through that same process. That's how God redeems things, but that's also a key and so then, with your experience, you should be, you're more in tune with somebody that is like you or who is fighting the same things you are. And when you get that understanding or you, get, you um, sense that familiarity, that's your cue that, okay, this person is something going on with them that I recognize or we have the same kind of spirit kind of, you know, you know how you recognize your own kind, how how gossipers just know how to find another gossiper. 
And so, you know, I've been an alcoholic, drug addict, not, you know, with pills. And when somebody comes and I, maybe they tell me, you know, that they're alcoholic, et cetera, I know I, I, I can empathize, I can connect, I have common ground. But then I also know through experience that this revelation, by the way, is because God has done it through me numerous times, is that God has also given me that ability. If I step through when it's available, I can deliver them from whatever. And that is a key. And so we all have different experiences. I've never been a, a meth addict, Jordan. God's given you the ability to do it. And so this what, is this what makes this and the unity of it beautiful. By the way, if we want, if we want that river to flow, I'm really beginning to think more and more that it's only going to flow the Psalm 133 way. Only going to flow that way. Unity is going to make the river flow. Not prayer, not this, that, or the other thing. It's going to be love and unity. Philadelphia, what's, what, what, what's Philadelphia mean? So is that why they got the key of David? The open door that no man can shut? You search this, you search this, you're looking for, man, like, the key to, to everything coming together. And there's, there's certain things that God does not go beyond. And unity. Isn't that easy? We have, the keys in here are so easy. Is it hard? You know what it is? It's flesh. It's flesh. The demonic realm, I believe, is much less, much less uh, in view, and it's lots of flesh that we're dealing with. And unless somebody is willing, nothing's going to happen. We can't cast out flesh, like the famous saying, and it's true, but it will look or it acts and it can be almost demonic on its way to being demonic, right? Lust of the flesh. But we have flesh that get, is, is what we're dealing with and we, we waste all of our energy fighting it. Anyone know how to soccer kick? Yeah, keys of the kingdom. Binding and loosing. Don't listen to another message about it. It's all about being sensitive to the spirit, being available, and going doubting nothing. Like he did it doubting nothing. He went with some weird vision that I wouldn't understand. And he still has to face the opposition but he, Acts 15, he's the one that's saying, God chose by my voice for the Gentiles to be saved. And uh, he's done it just like the same gift that he gave us. Most important keys are these keys. 
Thomas, we love supernatural garbage, and we can't get someone filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm saying UPCI overall, we love supernatural things, and we can't get people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so something's wrong with our keys, and it, the other stuff's not working either, by the way. Not all the time, right? Right? I mean, do you guys feel just an overwhelming flow of the Holy Ghost right now? <laughs> well, tell other people, you know, that way. But truthfully, truthfully, what time is it? I'm going to give you the major key. It's Luke 18. It's Mark. And it's literally this. <sighs> Suffer. So who, the disciples try to stop the little children. They're the ones stopping the little children from coming to Jesus. And Mark taught, in Mark it says he gets angry, but... Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. You know what we don't do? We don't allow new birth experience to be a, a process where we say, everything we knew before that didn't get me saved or help me at all. I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything. This is what Paul did, by the way. And I'm going to allow him to teach me. And I'm just going to be a little child, and I'm going to allow him to raise me. And another thing is, it's a natural process. Children grow. Jackie lost her first tooth today. It's a natural process for children to grow. It's not so natural in the supernatural for children to grow. It's because we know everything already. We know. We know, seriously. And our example in the flesh was Jesus, right? <clears throat> and it talks about him as a little kid and what's he doing? I'm trying to find it. Mm -hmm. For Luke 2.40, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. Remember the wisdom? The spirit of God, wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We talk about the, receiving it as a little child in the sense of, of the blind faith, and that is true. All those aspects are true. But little children know nothing. They need to be taught and raised. And how much garbage did we bring with us that we thought we already knew about this that is hindering us from growing? That's why Paul said, I counted it as dung. 
the whole Bible he could quote, everything he had been taught, Pharisee of the Pharisees. I let it all go, and I was alone with him for three years going, teach me. And that's why he's the one that is teaching all of us everything about the New Testament. How it works, defining it all, because he let it go and said, I know nothing. Instead of, I know. Pass Clover. Peter did not hesitate when they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, they're looking at, there's 11 of them standing there. 12, actually. Matthias is there, too. <clears throat> men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did he know to use those keys. Well, first of all, those people were looking. They were looking. He didn't, he didn't just go and shake the keys. Hey, look, look, I've got keys. They were looking. They were searching. They were asking. And so Peter knew because the Lord said, you're going to be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. You shall receive the, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. Repentance and remission of sins will be preached in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. He had all of that in his background. Just, just what, just a few weeks? Maybe not even a week. And so, boom, he's able to use the keys. So, the... The, uh, the fact is, he, he responded to people who were looking. I, I think that's a major key, Brother Mike, is uh, uh, you're not going to go slap people upside the head. Hey, look, I've got keys, you fool. Listen to what I have to say. You've got to pray for those who are seeking, those who are looking, those who are open, those who want the keys. Amen. Did Cornelius want those keys? Uh, he, he, he didn't say it in so many words, but he was, he was looking. He was desiring. And Peter had to go without doubting. Huh. And it was the Lord who orchestrated it all. Cornelius seeing his vision, the angel speaking to him, Peter seeing his vision, and he's trying to argue with the Lord. No, God, I haven't eaten anything like that. And didn't understand what was going on. And then the Lord brought that perception. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. There could be some weird people that you're going to encounter. There's going to be some oddballs. There's going to be some hard cases. But you've got to perceive that God's reaching out to them, and you have those keys. Again, it's not to win an argument. It's not to show how spiritual you are. 
No, that soul is worth the whole world. Amen. Now, Brother Mike shared a whole bunch of keys here tonight. You're going to need to meditate on them. You're going to need to just, just think about what's there and say, God, show me. God, use me. God, help me. God, move me. God, teach me. Amen. And oh my, I'm excited about what God's going to show us about the keys this year. Amen. It's not just a nice rhyme, key 23. No, no. God's got some powerful things he's going to show you. Let's stand tonight. Just right where you are, let's, let's go ahead and raise our hands and ask the Lord to help us, to show us, to guide us, to put those keys in our hands, in our hearts, that we could use them in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord.